freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome to episode number 145 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is be the ball. I'm going to give you a little advice. There's a force in the universe that makes things happen. And all you have to do is get in touch with it. Stop thinking. Let things happen. And be the ball. Yeah, so be the ball. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the people that aren't in studio didn't get to hear the great Chevy Chase uh, saying that line from the movie Caddyshack. So Caddyshack is a 1980s comedy about a stuffy, snobby golf resort completely upended by a brash and talented golfer played by Chevy Chase. He breaks all the rules purposely goes against the old guard and disrupts their pretentious and swampy ways. So the line, be the ball, is where Chevy Chase is teaching a young caddy named Danny in a very Yoda-like fashion the secret to his success. Be the ball. (laughs) Great. (laughs) He tells young Danny to shut out all the noise Focus in on the goal you want to achieve and use the force to be the ball. While I was thinking about that phrase, I kept thinking about people who seem to effortlessly be great at what they do. I kept thinking about what elevates them to the very top of their game, their industry, their social sphere, and so forth. And I think that Chevy Chase's character was onto something. He is telling young Danny that how we interact with our surroundings is everything. Where we allow our energy to be pulled and how we practice or train and how we execute our swing is everything. Look at Michael Jordan. He is one of the best NBA basketball players ever, but he had to earn that. And he was up against some serious competition. Through trial, failure, focus, and perseverance, he became the champion that we know him to be. Inside the arena, the way that he interacted with the court, the other players, and the ball is what made him great. And we can draw from all of these elements as we consider how we are, if we are, protecting our constitutional rights and the Second Amendment. So let's take all the elements I just mentioned. There is an arena, a court, other players, and the ball. So how does that relate to those of us who value 
our constitutional rights? What is our playing field? Well, politics, certainly. But what feeds politics? Culture. And how people view those of us who own firearms. So the modern American culture is our arena. And arenas change over time and in different cities and states where Michael Jordan played, just like our culture has morphed over the years. The individual players he encountered have different styles and personalities, just like the people, neighbors, and friends we encounter in our daily lives. Some are on our team, but have varying degrees of commitment and talent. Others are on the opposing team, the rights restrictors, and also are varied in their focus and skill. The only things uniform for Michael Jordan were the court and the ball. While in my comparison, our ball would be the Second Amendment and our court is where we engage in the conflict. Are we on the bench, sitting it out, in the stands at least cheering others on? Or are we like Michael Jordan and doing everything we can to move that ball toward the goal that our founding fathers intended when they wrote the words, the people's right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Our founding fathers were on the court, fully committed and invested, not just in sweat, but blood, taking on a fight that any sane person might have thought was foolish and unwinnable. They fought, they bled, they starved, and they died in the pursuit of freedom by pushing back tyranny. Tyranny that in today's arena, many of us think are just common sense gun laws or red flag gun confiscation laws for safety. How many of our teammates really understand the stakes we are up against? How many feel the siren call to compromise? How many really have the focus and commitment needed to engage and to win? And unlike a game, this, this is about life and death freedom, and tyranny. I, sa- I found some great quotes attributed to Michael Jordan. He said, I can't accept not trying. He said, talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence, that wins championships. He said, some people want it to happen and wish it would happen, but others make it happen. And finally, there is no I in team, but there is in win. If we put in the work individually, but while working as a team, the results will come and we will win. You can't change what you did or didn't do yesterday, but you can start today. The rights restrictors come out charging with new gun control bills with zero fear that they will face any real opposition. Let's build up our defense with a good offense. Call your elected officials. Don't expect the group that you pay annual dues to to do it for you. They certainly help. But you and I must pick up the phone and call our representatives. We must speak with respect 
and we must let them know how we would like them to represent us on important issues. Michael Jordan didn't outsource his work, and neither can we. He played on a great team, but he understood the I in win. So, as we pick up the ball and move down the court, we have to shut out the noise of our opponents who desperately want to pull us off our focus. They want us to expend our passions and energies fighting keyboard wars on social media. And they want to convince us that they have already slam dunked the winning point. But we have the bookends of history and legacy on our side. We have our founding fathers on one side and our children and our children's children on the other. Once we make some strategic adjustments to how we interact with the people filling the arena, we will very quickly see the rights restrictors pick another place to play. Now they won't ever stop trying to infringe on our rights, but we can convince them that this playing field is just too tough for them as we shut out all of their noise, focus in on our goal of liberty, and use the collective force of individual involvement and be the ball. Dan? Well, the advantage of our court and our arena is that the right restrictors are desperate and you know how when a team gets desperate and they shoot the they shoot the ball from way past the three-point line, mm-hmm. just trying to make that ball. And most of the time they miss, mm-hmm. where the team that really stays hardcore and really drives like the Michael Jordan guy, all that. <laughs> Michael right? Jordan guy. He's the guy, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so we are, we're driven. Yeah. They're desperate. Yeah. So like we just that. have to hold our sense and we just have to uh, try to, we need to fight. We need to play ball. Yeah. I like that. Sorry, I, I threw Ed off. I was ready for Chevy Chase to say, be the ball. But <laughs> be <laughs> the ball. There he is. Oh, be the ball. There he is. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So we've, we've got a great lineup of guests today. We have Dr. Sebastian Gorka, an internationally recognized authority on issues of national security, irregular wealth, warfare, and terrorism. Dr. Gorka has served as a strategic advisor to President Trump, is the author of Defeating Jihad and Why We Fight, has a new radio show that uh, debuted on January 1st, 2019, called America First. Mm -hmm. Then we have Morgan Sachs, director of March for Our Rights in Washington, D.C., which is a pro-Second Amendment student-led group, and most recently, She had the honor of speaking to the NRA's outreach committee at their board meeting about how they can increase their student outreach. We also have Alan Beck, the lead counsel attorney who litigated the Young versus Hawaii case that recently overturned the complete ban on open carry in the state of Hawaii. Who knew that they had a a ban, Mm. open carry? The Young case clarified, interpreted the Second Amendment to mean that citizens can lawfully carry arms beyond their homes. Go figure. And now, Alan (laughs) is one of the lawyers who has filed a suit against the bump stock ban. Yeah, he's going to be very interesting. Definitely want to stick around and hear him. Right. In our second hour, we have Yehuda Reamer, 
He is known as the Pew Pew Jew <laughs> and also the author of Safety On, an introduction to the world of firearms for children. Yehuda is a dad with young children, and he recently authored a blog about what to do when other parents ask if you have guns in the house. Mm-hmm. We also have Dr. Edwin Vera. He is an expert on United States Constitution, a graduate of Harvard Law School, and a member of the Bar of the Supreme Court of the United States. Cheryl, how'd you get such a great lineup? We are just super blessed to know the people that we know. I, I really am so um, thankful. Uh, the, the people that a- answer their email or their phone and then actually say, yes, I do have the time and I will come on. And so it's really an incredible uh, thing. We also will have our Armed Citizen Report and Dan's Commentary. Mm. Stick around. We got much more on this show called Be the Ball. Be the Ball. All right. Stick around. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. I'm Rob Morse from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I'm asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today, they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's saf.org. Hi folks, I'm Don Kyle. If you're looking for the biggest little gun shop in the West, look to azfirearms.com. They have 1,100 guns in stock and a knowledgeable staff to help you find just the right firearm for you. azfirearms.com is my nationwide hometown gun shop, and you should make it yours too. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. And we are so excited to uh, talk with our first guest today, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, uh, coming back on again as our guest. It's been a while, but we're so excited to have him back. Dr. Gorka is an internationally recognized authority on issues of national security, irregular warfare, and terrorism. 
Dr. Gorka has served as a strategic advisor to President Trump, is the author of Defeating Jihad and Why We Fight. He has a new radio show that just debuted on January 1st called America First. And welcome to the show, Dr. Gorka. Thank you for having me. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. So this is so awesome that you are you have such a, a um, ready uh, appearance for the public on Salem Radio. I think this is going to be so important because we just absolutely don't know who to trust anymore. <laughs> you know, and you have experience on your side and that makes all the difference. Well, it is hard. We do actually live in an age of uh, fake news, but every day, 3 to 6 Eastern time, you can listen to my show on the Salem Radio Network. We're broadcasting all across the country. You can listen live uh, or delayed on our new website, sebgorka.com. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A, sebgorka.com. That is awesome. And uh, is it a... What, what do people expect to find when they, they go there? Do you do interviews? Are you just commenting on the day's headlines? What, what would we find there? Well, the show is predicated on the concept that we are in a culture war, and uh, America First is the name of the program. So we're pushing back on the lies. We're, we're fighting the cultural war. Uh, we have amazing guests. Yesterday we had Donald Trump Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, soon we'll be having uh, Eric Trump as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're just getting the best guests, my commentary, my analysis, and then the real story behind the stories that they want you to read. Mm-hmm. So that is all so uh, valuable and so important. Uh, and again, if we're going directly to the source, you know, through interviews of people who really know what's going on, take so many layers of opinion out of everything and i just i think that's tremendous and i love the title of course america first so thank you um so i wanted to talk to you about a few things um but i think where i want to start is this whole surge that we are seeing towards socialism here in america i mean for me i I, at my age i'm 52 so at my age the the generations i've lived through in my lifetime, it's mind-boggling to me. Um, but 52 years is not even that long for people to have somehow gotten amnesia for what our grandfathers fought for and fought against. Well, not just that. I mean, it's it's just uh, it's a generation ago. We we fought the Cold War and we. We thought we defeated the ideology of socialism on November the 9th, 1989, when the Berlin Wall fell. But uh, clearly, as uh, Ronald Reagan taught us, the loss of liberty is always but one generation away. And the, the sheer fact alone that in the last midterm elections here in America, we had 40 Democrat uh, candidates who ran as avowed socialists. And some of them, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, actually made it into Congress, uh, tells you that, that you know, we have a long way to go. The, the brainwashing of the youth has been successful in large part for the last 30 years. And uh, the, the socialist ideology of Karl Marx is, is like a zombie and it's coming back to haunt us. Mm. What do you think? I mean, m- maybe it's an unanswerable question, but what is this siren call? Like, what is it that appeals to people about socialism that causes them to like blank their minds out if even if they don't want to learn history 
because, you know, it's all the rage right now to ignore history because it was just written by, you know, a bunch of white slave-owning males or something, you know. But uh, we can look at Venezuela in real time right now today. What, what do you think it is that, that makes people ignore all of the evidence uh, to how destructive socialism is and, and just want to embrace it like it's, it, it's something good? Well, it's a combination of things. I think, number one, uh, the people who would want to see socialism have no idea what it really is. They have no experience like my parents who actually, uh, as children, lived under fascism, under under the Nazi occupation of their country. And, of course, uh, Nazi is short for national socialists. So Mm -hmm. originally... Uh, people like Mussolini and Hitler were left-wingers. So they have no idea what that really means, the horror, the persecution, the tortures, the gulags, the labor camps. And then secondly, they just buy into the the rhetoric of, of Karl Marx, which is utopianism. They think that by shaping humankind, you can create perfection on Earth. And then they fall into the trap whereby the ends justify the means. There's a reason that the ideology of socialism took 100 million lives mm. in the last 100 years. So I think it's, uh, it's ignorance of, of the true cost of this ideology. And I think it's also a, a kind of emotions-based a desire for some kind of utopian perfection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole emotion-based um, angle of it, I can't remember the exact quote, but uh, you brought up Ocasio-Cortez, and she said uh, something about, you know, it doesn't really matter. Facts aren't really uh, what's important. What's important is, you know, kind of the moral uh, yes. authority that somehow she believes she has. <laughs> So it's like, ignore your lying mind. Just just go with what I'm telling you to feel. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that is the quintessence of socialism. If you read the original long telegram by George Kennan at the beginning of the Cold War, he explained it uh, perfectly. He said, you need to understand the Communist Party monopolizes the right to define what truth is mm. uh, they can define they can say on monday that something is wrong on tuesday it's right they they cannot countenance anyone disagreeing with them so the concept of truth uh, has has no content anymore truth is defined by the person using the word and who has the most power you saw this in the kavanaugh hearings there was that incredible moment where uh, spartacus where cory booker <laughs> used the phrase when he was talking about uh, Blasey Ford's testimony, mm-hmm. he said, her truth. Mm. Well, well, what do you mean, Senator? Mm-hmm. That there is no such thing as her truth or his truth. Mm-hmm. Either something happened or it did not happen. And this is this is the moral relativism. This is the, the, the secular uh, system that these people believe in. The truth is just something plastic and, and malleable. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. And, uh, you know, I'm a little uh, late to reading animal farm but i I read it over the last uh, i think it was last year or the year before and there are so many glaring similarities um where uh, i think it's the sheep or somebody just keeps bleeding the same words over and over and over again Mm -hmm. until everybody is like oh well that must be the truth because you know that's what we keep hearing in our ears all the time um right i mean it's it's actually what the Nazis uh, and, and what the communists uh, used again and again and again. It was their philosophy, whether you're Stalin or whether you're Goebbels, that if a, a lie repeated a thousand times is eventually treated as the truth. And, and that's what the left is doing. If, if, they, think, if they think they say uh, 
Donald Trump is a Russian asset enough times, they think that makes it the reality and the truth. It is a mind-bending philosophy, but that's why we have today the latest poll from the Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation finds that 52% of millennials would wish to live mm. in a socialist or communist country. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely mind-boggling. Well, and it, it requires, for this to happen, it requires our, it requires us to be complicit with it. Yes. Right? If we don't engage in critical thinking, if we don't hold ourselves responsible for intellectual honesty, then, you know, it, this is all ha going to happen no, on it, our it watch. No, it starts much, much earlier than that. It's, it's not our fault in terms of a lack of our uh, critical thinking. It's that we allowed the radical left to take over the high schools and the colleges mm. in the 1970s. I mean, mm. the idea that Bernadette Dawn and Bill Ayers founding members of the Weatherman Underground who were domestic terrorists, instead of going to prison, were allowed to become tenured professors in Chicago. That tells you everything you need to know. The concept that you have safe spaces and free speech zones in American colleges tells you that this has become an endemic problem. And, and if you want to blame anybody, it's us, but not in our lack of critical thinking. It's because we ceded the battle space. We weren't even present for the last 40, 50 years. And as a result, the media, Hollywood, uh, education is, is in the hands of these people. Mm, absolutely. Dr. Gorgon, this is Dan. Hey, welcome to the show. Is there any hope for us? I mean, it seems like they're giving them free stuff. They're making them even more convinced that socialism is the way to go. How are we going to stop this? Well, it's massive. You know, there must be hope because we had divine intervention literally on November the 8th, 2016, a <laughs> man who, who every single person laughed at when mm -hmm. he declared his campaign, who, uh, who was running against a woman who had spent $1.4 billion on a position that she thought was owed to her because mm. of her gender and her last name. He won. The rank outsider, remember, on the day of the election, the New York Times told us that Hillary has a 93% chance of winning. So that's our win. Mm -hmm. you know, right now, we, we have to, all of us, ha take uh, a leaf out of his book and talk truthfully. If you're not on social media, you're part of the problem. I don't care how old you are, how technologically challenged you feel yourself to be. If you don't have a Twitter account and a Facebook account and aren't retweeting the president, aren't calling out the liars around you for what they're doing, then, then you are ceding the territory yet again. So everybody has a role to play. Also, there are amazing organizations out there. Support PragerU, Dennis mm -hmm. Prager's incredible video platform that pushes back on the lies every day. Almost 2 billion views already. Um, support Turning Point USA, Charlie Kirk's organization that takes the truth of the founding principles of this republic onto the campuses mm -hmm. of America's universities. So, you know, we're Americans. We never give up, but now is the time to fight. Amen to all of that. And, you know, uh, we don't have an awful lot of time left, but I, I did want to lean into, you know, this whole socialism thing. We're saying that it, you know, it, it feels good to people to think about. There's a lot of well-meaning uh, thoughts involved in that. And we're running into so much of that with the, the fight to try to protect the Second Amendment. Um, and one of these well-meaning thought processes has to do with red flag laws and there's a lot of people that don't even know what the heck is a red flag law but it's basically your neighbor can say to the authorities you know my neighbor's been acting a little bit um erratic or he threatened me or he who knows what the low 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 bar of proof is and the authorities can come and confiscate our firearms 
Now, the thing that's so crazy about that is if the person is the 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 entity that is um, you know a threat, why why are we just taking one tool out of the home? Right? Like there's still knives, there's still pressure cookers people make bombs out of, there's still the car that people drive through crowds. Why why are what is this whole thing with the red flag laws? Um, and what can we do about that? Uh, I'd be very cautious here. There is a place in any nation for the capacity to report suspicious activity. Mm -hmm. If if the people in San Bernardino had Mm -hmm. actually reported on what was happening after you know, late at night in their, their, their neighbor's garage, those 14 people who were mowed down by those two jihadists um, may be alive today. So it's not the issue, you know, if you really see something suspicious, you should report it because you could be saving lives. Here, here, here I think we just have to stick to our guns when it comes to the Second Amendment and that this isn't used for political reasons or for reasons of discrimination. That's, that's where I would have my red line. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And well said. And I appreciate that. And and I think another thing is just, you know, if you don't know what a red flag law is, look it up, right? Get informed and uh, and help use whatever. I liked what you said about social media. Use whatever influence you have in your sphere to help people better understand um, what we value, why we value it and and how we can protect it. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you probably have to prep for your show. Tell us again how we can uh, stay on track with all the stuff that you do, but definitely your new radio show called America First. Yeah, so we're broadcasting across the nation from Los Angeles to New York. Just go to my website, sebgorka.com. That's S-E-B. G-O-R-K-A. You can listen it to, to their live. You can listen to, to their 24-7. We have video live streaming. And uh, also uh, check if your local uh, AM uh, uh, channel carries it as well. But uh, it, follow me on Twitter, at Seb Gorka. And uh, tune in to America First. Fantastic. Thank you so much, and Happy God New bless. Year. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right, stick around. We still have Morgan Sachs waiting in the wings. Now, Morgan is the uh, awesome young woman who is the director of March for Our Rights in Washington, D.C. Stick around. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at potofgoldestate.com. Auctions take place the first and third Tuesday of every month and are full of a great mix of antiques, collectibles, jewelry, guns, and coins. Visit our beautiful air-conditioned showroom off the I-10 at Dysart Road at 215 East Western Avenue in historic downtown Avondale. You will find a friendly and knowledgeable staff, comfortable chairs, and we even serve free birthday cake at every auction. Or bid from the comfort of your home at potofgoldestate.com. Don't miss out. Everything is going, going, gone at potofgoldestate.com. 
Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy, and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, our next guest is Morgan Sachs. She is the director of March for Our Rights in Washington, D.C. This is a pro-Second Amendment student-led group, and most recently, Morgan had the honor of speaking to the NRA's outreach committee at their board meeting about how they can increase their student outreach. And our young people are our future, and I just appreciate you so much, and welcome to the show, Miss Morgan. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, you know, in your age group, you're you're kind of an outlier, right? You're kind of a, a conundrum to a lot of your uh, peers. So how did you end up valuing your Second Amendment, uh, understanding, you know, what the Founding Fathers had put into place, and then actually stepping to the forefront where people probably want to throw rocks and sticks at you? Um, Well, I grew up, you know, being somewhat comfortable with firearms. My father owned firearms. He worked um, in law enforcement. So that was never anything that was unusual to me. Um, But what really kind of got me involved in Second Amendment issues was after the Parkland shooting. Mm. Um, I went to school in Boca Raton, Florida, which I don't know if anyone knows that area. It's only about 15 minutes away and I'm originally from that area in Parkland and I had family members attend Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School mm-hmm. they had graduated at the time of the shooting but mm-hmm. to me at the time that was it just shook my community as you can imagine mm-hmm. and it really shook my college campus we were the closest campus to the to the high school, the closest college campus. And then when March for Our Lives happened, that was just crazy. These high school students who, you know, had a different, different narrative who were, you know, for gun control. And I went, I remember speaking to other students who attended the school and them telling me that they, you know, even though this awful thing that happened at their school, that they didn't think the same way as you know students like David Hogg or Emma Gonzalez or like students like that they still believe in the second amendment they still supported it 
and I remember just thinking to myself, like, why why are their voices like being heard? Mm. And I remember talking to other students um, through different student groups across the country, and we were just talking, like, how come no one is starting a group to um, counter March for Our Lives? How come their voices are not being heard? And then we just kind of said one day, why, well, why don't we just start it? And then March for Our, Our Rights started, and that's how that happened. That is tremendous because, you know, there's so many people that ask that initial question. Well, you know, I don't, I don't believe the way that all these loud voices are shouting. Why doesn't someone do something? And then they stop right there. Mm-hmm. You, you answered the question. You asked it and then you answered it because you you were part of uh, making that, giving people the opportunity to hear that counter voice. Yeah, it was um, it was a great thing to be part of, definitely, for sure. And I think it, we didn't realize how many other students there were who felt the same way that we did. And to see it kind of grow the way it did and... I mean, it didn't become, you know, the movement March for Our Lives did, of course, but to just interact with other students across the country and hear their points and have them say that it was great that we were doing this. And I remember, like, I'll probably never forget this. Someone messaged us on social media on the March for Our Rights account telling us that they used to be part of March for Our Lives. Hmm. And then they switched, and I, I don't really know exactly how their viewpoint switched, but now they like they started following our page, mm-hmm. and they are now pro Second Amendment. That's fantastic, and I think so often it just it doesn't seem like there is anyone else to agree with us. So we all mm-hmm. individually feel isolated, but if we would reach out to each other, if we would speak up. I think that we would see there are vast, vastly far more numbers of those of us that value our constitutional rights than those that don't. And I was reading a study recently that basically said that the more that people are familiar with their constitutional rights and the, and the Bill of Rights, the more they are satisfied with them. Like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, I see why the Founding Fathers wrote that. Oh, I see what they were trying to uh, prevent from happening again on this soil when they were fighting off tyranny. But when we don't I know, that. yeah, when we don't know what we don't know, then it just is too easy to run along with the crowd. And why on earth the, the David Hogg crowd gets so many microphones? Um, it It's so frustrating because to me it's, so much of it is rooted in just base emotion. It's lacking in logic. Um, it, it's really frustrating. So I'm so appreciative that um, that you and your group have spoken up and have given a people a, a, an opportunity to hear the the counter voice to that. And now with this NRA outreach committee meeting that you were able to speak at, talk to us about that now are you are you um connected to the nra or were you they just yes. needing to hear from you well following um the march for our rights i was in contact with the nra and i had just recently graduated college and moved up here to virginia where my family lives and um we only live a little bit from the nra headquarters and i um applied for an internship got it 
and um, started working for them. I just completed the internship a few weeks ago, and um, I was talking to them towards the end of my internship, and they brought up the um, board meeting, and they wanted to talk about how to increase student outreach, and, you know, they knew about March for Our Rights and um, other student groups I had been involved with, and they asked me to come speak to the board about how we can increase student outreach for the NRA. And um, that was about, I think, about two, three weeks ago that I did that. And um, the NRA's outreach committee is um, headed by uh, Willis Lee, Mm -hmm. and it's more for, um, like, the NRA's, it's about, like, people who are not, like, typical, like, NRA members, whether it be, like, minorities, women, students. Mm Mm-hmm. So that was why I spoke about increasing student outreach to them. And what advice did you give them? We, we've only got about two minutes left, but what, what did you offer them as, in the way of reasons or, or, or methods to reach students? Well, basically, I kind of told them to steer away from the typical, like stereotypical idea of an NRA member, which... A lot of students have in their mind of the NRA being an old white man who goes hunting and wears nothing but camo. Mm-hmm. And I think if they want to increase student involvement, especially for collegiate students, it's towards young women. Mm-hmm. And it's less about promoting hunting and more about promoting and marketing self-defense towards young women and students. And I told them that social media is definitely a key tool to reach younger people. Absolutely. And that um, I especially told them that a lot of these NRA campus programs or even their self-defense programs, a lot of them aren't really that well known towards students. Mm-hmm. And it's about really just increasing that awareness. So and getting it, the word out there. Yeah, so again, just like uh, by speaking up with March for Our Rights, you allowed mm-hmm. others to be able to hear a counter voice and, and, and see people that they related with. That's the same thing that you're offering um, as advice to the, this committee, is that you know we're not all 50-year-old bearded, camo-wearing hunter <laughs> dudes. Those people are amazing. They're wonderful. We don't have to do anything to, you know, denigrate them. We just have to show examples um, and allow voices of people like you and I that aren't that, you know, 50-year-old bearded guy um, to help others go, oh, yeah, I can relate so much more with Morgan Sachs than I can with, you know, the people that are yelling and screaming and chanting and saying that guns are evil and that sort of thing. So, all Mm -hmm. right, Miss Morgan, we have to run, but I want to thank you so much for the work you're doing. I want to encourage you you to please keep it up. And uh, I want you to tell folks if they want to learn more about March for Our Lives or you or, you know, the other work that you do, uh, how would they reach out and find out those things? Um, well, our social media, um, we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, March for Our Rights. Um, it's March with the number four, Our Rights. Mm-hmm. So. Fan- and it's Mar- our website is m4or.org. Oh, is it O-R or O-R? Oh, yeah, it would be O-R. I'm sorry. I have the typo, and I'm correcting you. Shame on me. Say that again, <laughs> since I've confused everybody. 
M with the number four O R. Right. Not live. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. I apologize. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Uh, we will definitely thank have you, you back on again soon. Great. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. All Bye. right. Stick around. We still have Alan Beck coming up right after this. He uh, was the lead counsel attorney who litigated a major case in Hawaii uh, that helped preserve gun rights. And now he is up against this bump stock ban. Stick around. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. AZFirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment. Staffed by knowledgeable people. AZFirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit AZFirearms.com. Thanks for sticking around. You are with Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. And if you've missed any portion of today's show, please go to our website, gunfreedomradio.com, and click the On Demand tab and Binge listen to your heart's content, all 144 other episodes we have posted there. And when you want to put a face with a voice, click the guest tab. You'll see photos and bios and links to all the guests that we've ever had on. It's a wonderful resource and you know, we don't hate it when you spend time there. All right, our next guest is Alan Beck. Allen was the lead counsel attorney who litigated the Young versus Hawaii case that had overturned the complete ban on open carry in the state of Hawaii. The Young case clarified and interpreted the Second Amendment to mean that citizens can, go figure, lawfully carry firearms beyond their homes. Actually, arms, because not all arms are guns, right? And now, Alan is one of the lawyers who have filed a lawsuit against the bump stock ban. Alan, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me, Cheryl. Absolutely. Super excited to dive into this. And um, I know that your, your partner, your co-litigant, um, Stephen Stambulia, I think I'm saying his name right? Uh, he- That's right. Yeah, he couldn't be here with us today, unfortunately, but I know you both have been working on this lawsuit. Yeah, well, he is very busy working on uh, the lawsuit. We need to file something uh, in the next day or two. He just He's very immersed in that right now. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So tell folks, um, you know, so the bump stock ban, I think we kind of probably all have an idea of what that is. It is uh, 
plastic accessory that you would put on a firearm and, and then it, you know, it's it got, spr- got a spring. And so the action of the gun uh, kind of, you know, bounces back and forth. And if you hold your finger um, still, then basically what the trigger is, is kind of bouncing off of your your finger and causing the gun to fire based on that um, energy. Um, yeah, that's that's re- that's relatively accurate. Okay. Um, and why? And I mean, well, the ba- I'm sorry. We know it's banned, but what are we doing about it now? Well, what's happened is the ATF has uh, reinterpreted federal law, which bans uh, machine guns, and is trying to m- interpret that law to include bump stocks. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, we all know what a machine gun is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that you uh, squeeze once and, you know, there's multiple um, rounds that expel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's an actual, you know, firearm. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, ATF is going dramatically beyond its authority to try and uh, read something into a law that's simply not there. Mm-hmm. So what we've done was we've filed a lawsuit that essentially says the ATF is going well beyond its authority to, um, and rather than just simply interpret law, a law, it's basically making a law. Yeah. Um, and making and a new definition that, for a piece of plastic, right? Yeah, it's exactly. I mean... Uh, you can't say that a piece of plastic is a machine gun. Mm-hmm. It, it's just not. You know, that's if, um, you know, I mean, uh, uh, if uh, ATF can get away with redefining a piece of plastic as being a fully automatic machine gun, then um, basically the federal government can get away with reinterpreting practically any law to be what it wants it to be, even if the intent of the law has nothing to do with what it, um, uh, with uh, what uh, Congress intended it to be. And, you know, that's just not how our country operates. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we have, um, you, know, you know, the Congress needs pass laws, and then the executive signs it, and then with and then they can make, you know, some reasonable interpretations if there's some area that's vague. But the executive agencies, uh, in this case the ATF, isn't allowed to simply to uh, write to rewrite a law whole cloth. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole basis of this lawsuit is that if uh, you if the ATF um, the ATF simply exceeded its power. And the proper way to um, not, I, I don't believe bump stocks should be banned, obviously, or else you, know, I, you would have me on the show. But assuming that you did want to have to ban bump stocks, the proper way to do it is to go to Congress, you know, have a vote, mm-hmm. put a bill, mm-hmm. and put it before the president, mm-hmm. and then have the president sign it. Mm-hmm. It's not just have some rogue federal agency go in and decide, hey, this is how we want the law to be now, so we're just going to say that um, this is what the law is. I mean, that's not how our country operates. 
So, Alan, just so that our – this is Dan. Uh, welcome to the show. So just so our guests know, so the ATF have laws. So these are laws that are passed by Congress. And then the ATF define these laws and make rulings to that effect. Is that correct? That's correct. And so they, and they can be brought on that. They can, and, and that's what they're trying to do with this bump stock. And according to what I know about the ATF laws on machine guns, bump stock has nothing to do with the current law. That's absolutely correct. The ATF has every right to promulgate rules where the law is arguably vague. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they do that to clarify what the law um, means. But what they're not allowed to do is go completely beyond the scope of the, of the law and uh, enact something that just simply has nothing to do with what the law um, is and then say this rule and basically make a new law uh, with their rule. The purpose of the rule is just to clarify what Congress intended. You know, if there's a term or a phrase that is um, maybe a little bit vague, say, you know, if there's a, if there's a law that says, say, fishing area, well, uh, a executive branch agency can define what a fishing area is within reason. Right. But if they define a desert as a fishing area, well, <laughs> right. that obviously is not, uh, you know, that, that's, that's not clarifying a vague term. That's just making up a word, you know, uh, and inserting into the, uh, into the law. And, right. you know, that's essentially what the ATF has done here, just uh, taking something that could conceivably been uh, part of um, uh, the law to begin with. And, and I think this is something that... Uh, needs to be uh, brought, the ATF in the past has said bump stocks are not machine guns. Uh, yes. More than once they've said that. Right. So when you make when you make an item and so you have to submit it to the ATF, if it has anything to do with firearms, and the ATF ruled in a letter that this was not a machine gun. You know, the problem the ATF have right now is the machine gun law is not vague at all. It's very clear and and precise but so what are you guys gonna what are you doing with your lawsuit what where are you going with that well we have filed um, there's a couple different aspects of the lawsuit one is uh, challenging the authority of the ATF to promulgate this rule because you're as you correctly said machine gun law is not vague and this bump stock um, rule is clearly outside the scope of the authority. So we filed a claim under something called the Administrative Procedure Act to tell them that, uh, to, to have the court declare that this was beyond the scope of uh, the ATF's authority. Secondly, we've filed a constitutional challenge under something called the Takings Clause. Mm-hmm. And that's basically the gist of that is you know, they, you've just dispossessed hundreds of thousands of people of their personal property mm-hmm. without giving them any compensation. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, what if uh, tomorrow the government uh, just banned cars? Right. Because there's too many know, accidents uh, out there, and people hurt each other with them, and they hurt themselves with them, right? Yeah, and uh, the Constitution says if you're going to ban something like that, you need to have just compensation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... Uh, 
um, you know, just imagine all the people that in good faith, based upon a letter the ATF themselves published, mm-hmm. said these are legal. You have every right to buy them. Yep. You, you you read that. You go to the store. You go buy it. Yep. Six months later, the ATF says you have to destroy them now. Well, yep. I mean, the government's uh, required to give you some money, even assuming that they had the right to do this, which they don't. That's the first part of this lawsuit. Uh, even assuming if they did, they have a they have an obligation to uh, make you whole because you know they said you could go out and buy them, and uh, you know the second you did, now they said, well, you got to throw it away, and now you're out uh, quite a bit of money. Right. The minimum on those was two hundred and fifty dollars, but this isn't the first time that the ATF has done that. They've done it on other items too. But what surprises me, normally what they do is they'll stop manufacturer and people who have them can keep them. But the, any new manufacturer it would stop. Give an example, the open bolt semi-automatic uh, guns that were built in the 80s, they stopped those. They ruled that those were machine guns. They weren't, but they ruled them as they were their machine guns. And then they just basically said, if you have one, you can keep it, you can sell it, you can do whatever. You just can't make any more of them. Mm-hmm. Well, and, uh, sure, and uh, we call that grandfather clause. Right. And that's something that's very unusual about um, this new rule is there is no grandfather clause. Mm-hmm. So in this instance, you know, you're just out of money. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, and uh, you're right. I mean, the minimum price for one of these, $250. I mean, uh, your average family of three that's, you know, just working a blue collar job. I mean, you know, let's say they bought a couple of those. Remember, the purpose of the bump stock originally was to assist people with mobility issues mm-hmm. yeah. um, that uh, say, you know, uh, you're partially paralyzed and you have a hard time pulling that trigger at the range. These help you, um, um, you know, actually be able to enjoy the shooting sports. I, I well, have heard that for sure. Hey, we are almost out of time. Like we really got to wrap up, unfortunately. And I want you to be sure to have time to tell folks how they can follow your lawsuit and, and if there's any way they can help out with the lawsuit or support what you guys are doing. Um, so I hate to cut you off mid-sentence like that, but that clock is ticking on us. Okay. Um, anyone that wants to follow the lawsuit, go to my co-counsel Stephen Stambalia's website at sdslaw.us and then hit the blog uh, section of it. And we have a lot of the pleadings up. Mm-hmm. Additionally, LaRue Tactical has been... Um, has been raising money for us. So if you are about to make a firearms purchase, I'm not mm-hmm. telling you to go out and make one just be, to support sure. the lawsuit. Sure. If you happen to be making a firearms or um, uh, purchase, consider um, purchasing one at LaRue Tactical. Awesome. Thank because they have been uh, instrumental in uh, uh, raising money so we can fight this. Fantastic. And uh, let me be clear, they don't even sell bump stocks. They just want to defend the Second Amendment. I love it. Thank you, Alan, so much for the work you're doing. Keep it up. We will have you back on to check in how it's going. And we've got to run. Thank you. Hey, thanks you so much for having me. Have a great day. You too. Hey, stick around. We still have our number two right ahead of us.